Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 57. I'm your host, Akatan. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing really well, man. Uh, I just got back to school, back to Ohio State, uh, getting adjusted to school, the school life once again. Um... I'm really liking my classes. I got to go to a Crew SC match this weekend, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we beat the Earthquakes. And Ethan Finley scored. I love watching him play, and I love seeing him score. How are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well, just getting back into the swing of things. My my junior year started, or junior year of high school started last week. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Roma season started. Uh, and they haven't been doing that well, so I hope once the NFL season picks up that the Packers can kind of make up for that. Yeah. Uh, well, the Packers should be good this year. Everton yeah. are doing pretty well, so I'm I'm very, very excited about that. But the biggest news we have for you guys is that U.S. men's national team legend Landon Donovan will be joining us for episode 60 of the Soccer Brothers podcast. Uh, this is episode number 57. Episode 58 will be after the U.S. men's national team's match against St. Vincent and the Grenadines on Friday, September 2nd, and, well, it'll probably come out on September 3rd morning, and uh, the episode 59 will be after the U.S. men's national team versus Trinidad and Tobago, and they will be playing that match on Tuesday, September 6th, so we're really excited to have him on. Uh, our website will be going live very, very soon. We have new music coming through, so that, that's very, very exciting, and we are going to make a commitment of having at least one episode per week. Uh, we really want to get back into having a consistent schedule, as we have in the past. Yeah, and on those weeks that uh, the Champions League is happening or, or and the Europa League, we will you know try to put out an episode midweek. But you know, obviously, we can't really make any guarantees. But yeah, for now, you know, we're, we're trying to make a lot of big changes to the podcast. It's going to be a nice, right? Uh, a nice, you know, this is this is the year. You know, like this is like a new year for the podcast. You with the club starting up. I mean, obviously, it's not a new calendar year, but. You know, it kind of it kind of feels like uh, a new beginning with school and everything going on. Absolutely, and we haven't covered MLS that much this season. We're definitely going to be doing that in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, and the thing is, uh, it's hard for us to do more than one episode a week because Sahil has school. I have, well, he has school on soccer, which is by the end, by the time that's done, it's sometimes seven, eight o'clock. I have school, I have work, and I have like a bunch of different club commitments at, on campus. So it's difficult, but we, I mean, we love doing this. Uh, and like Sahil said, it, do, it really does feel like a new beginning, not only with the new school year, but with having Landon Donovan on. Um, we really want to get on a consistent schedule. Yeah. All right, so before we talk about the soccer in this episode, we have to talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike. If you want to check out their merchandise, you can go to ambitiousstrike.com. If you want a 15% off discount on your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yep, go check them out. That's ambitiousstrike.com, A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. The link to their website, as always, is in the description. Definitely go check them out. Now, Hope Solo, starting USWNT national goalkeeper, his contract was terminated after she made comments after, you know, the the crash out of the Olympics against Sweden in the round of 16. And, you know, she called them cowards. And, you know, the USWNT uh, and US soccer finally had enough of her antics. You know, this isn't her fir- the first time she's done something like this. So uh, it-, it looks like it's going to be a while before we see Hope Solo on the pitch again in a USWN t-shirt. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know about that. I-, I-, I hope it's done. I think it's more than just the comments she made after the Sweden game. Uh, I-, I really believe it's sort of a culmination of things that have happened over the past year. Of course, before the World Cup, she and her husband drunkenly drove a team van uh, she's had the well-documented case of domestic violence uh, against uh, her nephew, I believe, and her sister. Um, and she, of course, was talking about uh, Zika in Brazil and sort of making fun of Brazilians, which is which is the origin of that Zika chant that we heard during the Olympics. So, uh, you know, even Sunil Gulati in his statement sort of made it clear that this was sort of the final straw. Uh, that being said, U.S., contracts are year to year for the women's national team so really her contract being terminated she could have her she could sign a new contract for next year i don't anticipate that happening because honestly i don't think hope solo is as good as as she has been in the past and i think it's time for maybe an ashlyn harris to to be given a chance with this team uh and you know it's 
even her teammates said this doesn't really represent uh, the U.S. Nas- women's national team uh, and, and the way they think and the way they believe. Um, and to be honest, her comments were stupid. Uh, Sweden had a great game plan. They executed it perfectly, and credit to them. Um, also, her- oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know, her comments after her contract was terminated wasn't really a, much of an apology as much as, you know, she was trying to justify that she always puts her, her all, you know, when she's in goal. And I, I, I just, I don't think what she said was wrong still. But you, you obviously think this, because you didn't really talk about it, you, talk about, you talked about what Sunil Galati thought, but you, you thought this decision was justified, right, by U.S. soccer? Yeah, I think it was completely justified. Uh, like I said, it's a culmination of everything, uh, and you know what you say about her not being apologetic is perfectly right. Uh, it, it, she doesn't seem to own her actions, um, and the fact of the matter is that when you put on that jersey, you're not only playing for your team and representing your team, you're representing your country. So, And she's been one of the most high-profile people, and I, I actually wish U.S. soccer took some action earlier. Um, so, you know, when she if she... You don't want someone who's going to sort of say things without a filter representing your country. And, uh, you know, we saw, I mean, I know this is sort of a hot topic issue, but we saw Colin Kaepernick. He's been getting a lot of criticism in the media uh, about what he did about not standing during the national anthem. Uh, Hope Solo is representing this country. Uh, she's literally representing the United States uh, and sh- for soccer at the Olympics. At the World Cup, whenever she's playing, she's representing the country, and I, I don't think it reflects, it, it doesn't reflect well on the team, it doesn't reflect well on the country, or the federation, and I think, for their sake, it's sort of a win-win, because it's after the Olympics, uh, and it's after the World Cup, so she, you know, they don't really need her right now, she's up there in age, she might have been done anyway, so uh, PR-wise, it was good for them, they were able to sort of cut ties with this player, and for the team, too, it was also good because even if they want her back in the future, they can have her back for the 2019 Olympics uh, because, you know, <laughs> there's nothing really happening in the next couple of years except for smaller cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you pretty much hit it all. Uh, yeah, well, why don't we move on to the U.S. men's national team? As Nihal said before, they're going to be playing their last two World Cup qualifying matches in early September, and Jurgen Klinsmann has released his roster uh, for that team, so, I mean, we're just going to kind of go through it. Uh, you know, starting at goalkeeper, you've got Brad Guzan, Ethan Horvath, and Tim Howard. Uh, you know, two players on this roster have recently been transferred, Brad Guzan and Tim Howard. Tim Howard's on the Colorado Rapids now, and Brad Guzan's on Middlesbrough. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear that Brad Guzan's going to be the starting keeper now, right? Yeah, Br- Brad Guzan... Has made two appearances now for Middlesbrough. Has has uh, so uh, that's good. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Victor Valdez is injured or if Brad Guzan has won that outright. Um, I think he will be the starter. Tim Howard playing okay. Uh, he have, he led in five goals against NYCFC the other week, but uh, he made a big save, a penalty save. Uh, oh yeah, that was really nice. Um, and then Ethan Horvath, I think, is a wonderful keeper. He's coming off a win this weekend and a clean sheet. I think. This might be the time where Ethan Horvath can sort of put, put push for that first team spot, but I think with these two crucial qualifiers, Jurgen Klinsmann is not going to take that risk, and I think he's going to go with Brad Guzan. I hope he doesn't cycle through them. I really, I re- between Guzan and Howard, I hope he he sticks with one. Uh, and Guzan obviously playing at the highest level right now with Middlesbrough, who are actually doing pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Brad Guzan's the easy choice there. And I'll give a little bit of credit to Jurgen because, uh, you know, he's been putting Ethan Horvath in in the roster, you know, a lot recently, and at least it gives him a chance to get settled in before, you know, he, he starts to start for this team, which I imagine he's going to in a couple of years or right. maybe a year. Uh, and it, uh, It'll be a battle between him and Bill Hamid, who's back from injury now. Uh, and I think right. I think Hamid needs to make a move to a better league. I think they both do, to be, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to defenders. Uh, we've got Callan Acosta of FC Dallas, Matt Beasler of Sporting KC, Steve Birnbaum of DC United, John Brooks, who right now is injured, and Sacha Kleshton will be replacing him from the Red Bulls. 
And there's Jeff Cameron of Stoke City, Omar Gonzalez of Pachuca, and Fabian Johnson of Borussia Mönchengladbach, Michael Orozco of Club Tijuana, DeAndre Yedlin of Newcastle United. So nine defenders there. Anything that surprises you, or uh, does it surprise you that anyone's listed here as a defender? Does it surprise me? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Fabian Johnson, for example. Well, yeah, Fabian Johnson is going to be playing left back, it seems like. Uh, and I think... Well, we'll get to the midfield in, in a little while. But I, I think um, surprises people. Obviously, John Brooks is a big loss. But against these teams, I think Jeff Cameron and Omar Gonzalez or Jeff Cameron and Matt Beasler or Birnbaum, whoever is there in central defense, can do the job and do it well. Uh, you know, DeAndre Edlin, we haven't talked about. And I guess we're not really scheduled to talk about his move to Newcastle United. So let's talk about that for a little while, actually, uh, just to switch gears. Um you know, moving down to the championship, I think a, few, a lot of U.S. fans are disappointed he's not staying in the Premier League, but they look like a team who are building and who are going to come right back up. It's not a guaranteed thing, but if he can establish himself there under a world-class manager like Rafa Benitez, it could be really good for him in the future. If they come up into the Premier League and he plays with Newcastle United, who are a really big club, I think it could be good for him. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that before we move on? I mean... Look, I, I would rather have had him, you know, go on, you know, go on loan from Spurs because I mean he's going to be playing the Premier League sure next year maybe, but he he already you know could have been playing for the Premier League for Spurs. I, I know they have good fullbacks. I don't think he. I don't think he'll ever get. I don't think he would ever get into that Spurs team. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's fair. I mean, it's not like he's a seventeen. You don't think his ceiling is that high? Well, I think it is, but it's not like he's seventeen or eighteen years old. He's what twenty two. I mean, he needs to be playing. I would rather have him be established at a club and have him be the first choice right back. Um, but that being said, I think I wish he would have gone to Sunderland, maybe. I think I would, I would have preferred him to be at Sunderland. Um, but I think... Do you think that do you think that him being on Newcastle is going to do more for his career than it would, say, if he, you know, like went on loan to Seattle Sounders or something, played in MLS? What do you think the difference is there for his development uh, compared to a league like MLS? Well, the championship's a better league, team for team, player for player. It's a higher quality league. And... A pro- there's a promotion battle's at stake. He's going to be every match is going to matter for Newcastle because they want to they want to have uh, automatic qualification. And he'll be playing. I mean, the biggest thing about not playing in Seattle is he's not playing on turf. He's playing against. I just think he's playing against higher level competition uh, every match. I think he's playing uh, with a, under a world class manager with Rafa Benitez. That's not something we have in MLS, unfortunately. Um, and he's playing at one of the biggest clubs in English football. You know, just because they got relegated doesn't mean they're not one of the biggest clubs in English football. They are. So I think, not only that, he, he if all goes well, he'll be starting on a team that's doing really, really well in the league, and he's going to be playing in front of 50-odd thousand fans, uh, which he would get in Seattle, I guess, but he, you know, he's playing in front of people who live and breathe football in Newcastle. So I think the experience is going to be really, really good for him. Now, I will say, if, if Newcastle don't get promoted, I think it's a bad move. I think... I, I, I really do. Because I think he is a Premier League quality player, and I think he proved that. I think... Well, the move can be bad. You can't decide if it's bad after Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. What do you mean you can't? The move happened, so it's bad or good. No, because like I, I no, mean, I mean, no. yeah, the scope of his career, you can say that it was a it was a good okay, decision no. or a bad Ju- decision. Julian Green going on loan to Hamburg looked like a good move. That was a disaster. You can't judge a move until the end of the season, and part of that is if they get promoted, because that he's playing on that team. No, so, yeah, so them getting promoted is a reflection of his play. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can agree with that. Now, uh, the championship does have a very loaded schedule, so uh, it's going to be a lot for him to, you know, to be getting U.S. call-ups a lot and playing in all of these games. Right. Obviously, I'm sure they have some kind of depth figured out there, but uh, it, it'll test his stamina for sure. Yeah, well, one of their fullbacks uh, is injured. I can't remember his name. I think he came from Atletico Madrid, or he's unfit. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Czech Teote, the, the defensive midfielder, has been playing right back recently. So, um, 
Yeah, I th- and also they they do play during international break, so he will have that break from Newcastle in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to well, wait, wait, uh, wait, other... wait, wait. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the other one, Kellen Acosta, is listed as a defender. Uh, we saw him play left back with the team. We're moving back to the U.S. By the way, um, he's listed as a defender. We, he plays for FC Dallas. His best position is is midfield, central midfield. So. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you about Kyle Acosta. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, but but you think that, so you think that, yeah, but obviously means that he's going to be playing fullback if, if he's listed as a defender. Or no, not necessarily, but, you know, that's what it's saying when it, when he's under the defender category. Yeah. But you th- you think that Jeff Cameron, because it doesn't look like, uh, what do you think Jeff Cameron's going to play? I think, he, I mean, I think he's going to start. He played really well against Everton this weekend, his first start in the league. Uh, I think he's just going to play cent- center back. He's not going to play in the midfield. Uh, now, who his partner is is interesting. I think he. Uh, I think ultimately Klinsman's going to go with Matt Beasler because yeah. he wants that left left footed option. I would prefer to see Omar Gonzalez. I think, but uh, Matt Beasler is a, is a good choice and someone I'm comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move over to the midfielders. Uh, there's Paul Ariola from Club Tijuana getting his call up. Kyle Beckerman from Real Salt Lake. Alejandro Bedoya from Philadelphia. Michael Bradley from Toronto, who is suspended for the first game against St. Vincent and the Grenadines because of uh, yellow card accumulation. Jermaine Jones of the Colorado Rapids is in the squad. Darlington Nagby of Timbers. Pulisic, Dortmund, Stanko, uh, a Liechtenstein club. He's on loan there right now. And Graham Zuzi of Sporting KC. Yeah, K- and Kleshton. K- K- Caleb Stanko uh, is a defensive midfielder, for those of you who don't know, uh, who play- who's owned by Freiburg and is on loan to FC Vaduz of uh, the uh, Swiss Super League. So it is a team based in Liechtenstein, but they play in the Swiss League. He's made one appearance for the club this year. He actually started this weekend and got pulled in the 32nd minute because of a tactical decision. So you look at this roster, and you have a player like Caleb Stanko. You have an older player like Jermaine Jones. You have a player like Kyle Beckerman. And I, I just don't understand I really don't how, understand how a player like Danny Williams is not on this roster who's been playing well. Alfredo Morales, you know, another player who's play, who played in the Bundesliga this weekend, who, is con- who consistently or semi-consistently played for Ingolstadt last year, is not on this roster. And then Lyndon Gooch. How does Caleb Stanko get in over Lyndon Gooch? I know, I mean, Lyndon Gooch can play left midfield, he can play attacking midfield, he can play striker, he's played a defensive midfield this year for Sunderland, and he started every match for Sunderland this year. So I don't understand how... Maybe Caleb Stanko is there just to uh, learn. It's possible, because this is a 26-man roster. Um, only 18 players are there on the game day roster. Um, so I, I don't know. I really don't understand it. I, I just... I'm so... I'm honestly... This is making me angry again. I'm really tired of this. I really am. I mean, how can Jurgen Klinsmann talk about playing at the highest level and not call in the players who are playing at the highest level? And, you know, this actually reminds me of something I forgot to say about DeAndre Yedlin. My biggest, my biggest uh, qualm with the move is if he is in the championship and Eric Lehigh and uh, Jonathan Spector are out playing him, how does, how do they not, why would they not get a call up and a start over him? Eric Lehigh had an assist this weekend for Nottingham Forest. And I think that's yeah. that's the biggest reason why going down, going to a lower league is, is tougher. Because then you create your own competition amongst other U.S. men, other players in the pool. But but going back, I, I just, I mean, you look at the you look at this team, who's going to start in central mid? Maybe it's going to be a 4-3-3 again, and you have Jermaine Jones, Bedoya, and Beckerman. Of course, Nag- Nagby's not going to start. We already know that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was, I, and that's true, actually. I, forget, I was getting caught up into what I want rather than what, what I think is going to happen. But, I mean, usually Klinsman doesn't bring five forwards, does he? So does, does that mean maybe a two-striker formation? I mean, yeah, it's possible. You have to assume, oh, my God. I, I mean, you have to assume, well, let's go over the forwards, and let's just talk about it all at once. All right, Josie Alcidor is called up from Toronto. He's in good form. Jordan Morris from Seattle. Rubio Rubin from Utrecht. Chris Wondolowski from San Jose. And Bobby Wood from Hamburg. Scoring his first goal over the weekend, his first appearance. It was a good goal, too. First appearance in the league. He played in, oh, yeah. in the Pokal. Um, 
yeah, it was a good goal. Uh, yeah, so I, I would think maybe a four four two with Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore up top. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest player who isn't here is uh, Jossie's artist. Um, Jossie's artist not on the roster. He did pick up a, an injury. Uh, we don't know how serious that is, but I'm actually excited. I'm really excited to see Zardes less youth national team. Um, I, I think it's possible that he plays a 4-3-3, honestly, and either plays Bedoya and Zuzi or Zuzi and Nagby out wide. Um, if he does do a 4-4-2, I would anticipate Josie Altador, which he's probably going to do. Josie Altador and Bobby Wood up top. Um, probably Jones and Beckerman in the midfield, and then Zuzi and Bedoya on the wings. That seems like the most Klinsman thing possible. And actually, the Josie Altador bobby Wood partnership excites me. As, yeah. as you said, Josie Altador is in form. He's someone who, who can hold up the play, and Bobby Wood is someone who can run off them. And I'm excited to see the, what kind of partnership they can have together. I, 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 don't, I don't really want to say this, because I'm sure I've said this before and it hasn't really worked out. But I'm not too mad right now about Clint Dempsey being out. Um, well, aside from, aside from the fact that, aside from the circumstances, right? Their irregular heartbeat. Yeah, I, I, yeah. In terms of in terms of how the U.S. men's national team will field, because I right. think this Josie Altador and Bobby Wood partnership is just going to be really good, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know if Clint Dempsey can effectively. Would effectively be a good partner with either one of those strikers. Maybe Bobby Wood. I mean, probably. But. Yeah, you know what? I, I I agree with you, but he just he scores goals. Yeah, and it's hard to replace. And I think as well, I won't. We won't talk about Landon Donovan's interview, but we did talk about that with him. Um, but I I just think that that's a player. I mean, you're obviously better with Clint Dempsey on the field, and I can't believe I forgot to say that he's one of the big misses too. It'll be interesting to see if. Sasha Question, a player who wasn't originally called up, actually starts this match. We've seen that before. Remember, Klinsman called up Zuzi in between both Guatemala matches and then started Zuzi. So, yeah. I, we, we've seen know. that before. Uh, I think that's definitely a possibility. I'm excited to see him play. But Now, if Josie Altidore does not do well in, in these two qualifiers, then I really do not understand Josie Altidore because he's in really good form right now, and Bobby Wood is the best partner to pair up with him that I think we've seen in a few years. So I, I just wouldn't understand that if he didn't succeed. Right. I, I'd agree with you. Remember, Josie Altador probably has two World Cups. Maybe one World Cup left, at least. Uh, no, probably two. He'll be 32 or 33 by the 2022 World Cup. I mean, so he's going to be someone who's in the picture going forward. Um, Jordan Morris... Bobby Wood, Rubio Rubin, these are all exciting players. Aaron Johansson is back. Uh, he played against Bayern Munich. So we have some forward options now. Yet somehow Chris Wondolowski is still on this roster. <laughs> um, you, really, you really felt like against Argentina, that was the last straw. But no, he's on this roster. Michael Orozco is on this roster. He does not make the team better when he starts the game ever, and... Kyle Beckerman's on this roster. I, I just... I mean, Beckerman is the only one. And, and Jermaine Jones, of the older players who I can... Because Jermaine Jones actually had a really good Copa America. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, wow, team's actually pretty young, mostly. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Christian Pulisic gets a start. I, I, I sincerely I hope so, but... I doubt it, though. I... <laughs> We we did see a, a pull. Did Pulisic and Nagby both start in the third place game in the Copa America? I don't remember. I was half asleep. <laughs> yeah, we were at, we were in France at the time zone. Was yeah, really off. But, I remember they played really well though. I don't think they did. Because I, I I just I really well, want to start a game like that. By they by they played well. I mean the U.S. The U.S. played really well in that match. Yeah. Uh, so so do you think that Jordan Morris can really be an impactful sub? Uh, for this team. Yeah, I mean, against St. Vincent, I think... I mean, honestly, I think Wando can be an impactful sub. So, uh, But against Trinidad, yeah, I think if you have Josie Altador and Bobby Wood playing most of the match, and then you have Jordan Morris to come in and inject that direct play, that, that pace and that strength, I think that's huge. Uh, and I think... 
he is going to have a really, really good camp being back with the U.S. national team. He's going to want to prove himself after missing out on the Copa America. And, um, yeah, I think he can be an impact sub. And, you know, I don't think he will start, but I could see him starting next to Bobby Wood. But it's not going to happen. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want that either. I want to see. Jersey I guess I, 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 I could see him starting if we do do a four three three. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that could work. Uh, so, you know, before we move on from the roster, Alejandro Bedoya obviously over the summer moved from FC Nantes and Liga to Philadelphia Union. What do you think this move means for his career? I just why. You know, he wanted to play at a higher level, he said that, than League A, and then he goes to the Philadelphia Union. And I understand, you know, you want to be home, I really do, and if that's, if that's, and he's probably making more money, and I, you know, you can't demonize someone for that choice, uh, for their family, for themselves, and I, and I never will, but I really thought Alejandro Bedoya was someone for the, who could make a jump to a better league and actually perform pretty well for a team. So I'm disappointed, maybe selfishly, for the U.S. men's national team, but I think Bedoya is a player where wherever he is, he's going to be a hard-working two-way player um, with a bit of skill uh, who, who's going to positively impact the match. But like I said, if Alejandro Bedoya comes to MLS and he's being outperformed by uh, Darlington Nagby, by Graham Susie, We win. We win, who's another big miss, I, then there's really no reason why those players shouldn't be in the team and starting over him. Yeah, yeah. L- like you said about the championship, it's, just, it's creating more competition for him. Uh, and Alejandro Bedoya is, is a player who's just he always seemed to be there. And I think that, you know, no matter where he's playing, like you said, he's going to have the talent to do so. Uh, he can fit in so many different systems. You can see him play out wide, even. So, right. um, very- I, I think. But I mean, I say that, but Michael Bradley's form dipped, but he's still the captain and still playing every match. Uh, and I do believe he's probably the be- one of the better players in that position. But, you know, Dax McCarty's outplaying him. He's not getting a call-up. So, you know, Klinsman's going to stick with his favorites. Yeah. yeah. Which, to be, to be fair, in these two matches we need to win, I can understand. Yeah. I, I think that I, I can't... I can't uh, if we start Josie Alzador and Bobby Wood up top... And I, I think we'll be good to beat St. Vincent, no matter really... Any of these midfielders should be able to do well to me. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't want, like, both uh, Caleb Stanko and Kyle Beckerman. That would never happen. But I, I wouldn't want that flat of a or four four two. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really would love to see if that four three three 3 was sort of with Bobby Wood... Somewhere up there, and Pulisic. I guess we don't really have the players, do we? It'd be Ariola and Pulisic. I thought you would be wing. buzzing about Altidore. What? What's? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, honestly, a Bobby Wood Josie Altidore partnership excites me, but then it feels like there's no place for Darlington Nagby in the team, and I would rather see Darlington Nagby in the team than Josie Altidore. That makes sense, and also, you know, Bobby Wood will be uh, guaranteed a spot in the fourth or three, even once Clint Dempsey comes back. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he, he can be guaranteed a role there, which is Right. I, th- I think what I'd like to see is Bobby Wood, a striker, um, and then Graham Susi and Christian Pulisic on the wing, and then Nagby, Bedoya, and uh, Jones in midfield. That might be too attacking. So, yeah, yeah I, think, I think this roster is clearly a 4-4-2. Yeah, um, I agree. I, and I think, you know, maybe Klinsman surprises us and plays Beasler or Acosta at left back and pushes Fabian Johnson forward, but I also doubt that. Well, how did you assess Beasler's performance at left back in, Copa, in the Copa America? I thought he was actually pretty decent. I thought he, he was better than I expected. Yeah, um, he, was, he, was, he was good. Yeah, he, 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 didn't, he didn't just make that side less active on the attack. I mean, he actually did try to get up. Yeah. Um... But I, I, I would, I think I would rather see a Costa at this point in time, or or Fabian Johnson, obviously. I think I'd rather see Beasler over a Costa. Honestly, I would love to see a Costa in the midfield. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would like I, to see. A Costa honestly, this is this is going to be the lineup: Brad Guzan in goal, um, Fabian Johnson at left back. 
Uh, Jeff Cameron and Matt Beasler at center back. Yedlin at right back. Um, Zuzi and Bedoya at right mid and left mid. Beckerman and Jones in midfield. And Alf Dornwood up top. I guarantee... Mm, I really want to see Nagby, but yeah. I guarantee you that's the lineup. (laughs) Maybe Nagby starts on the wing over Zuzi. Maybe. I could see that happening. But I, I... That seems like the most Klinsman lineup. And to be fair, that... Probably seems like the best lineup with this with this team. Uh, you, I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't think Nagby should start? Uh, no, I, I do. I, no, I do. But I think even a substitution with him in the midfield to add a little bit of creativity in the latter part of the game is better than him starting at right mid. I mean, he was good at right mid, but I I just really like him in the midfield more. He's he's always going forward and, uh, uh yeah. He moves. He moves the ball forward. Yeah, he, he's a great connector. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're really saying the same thing now. Um, I mean, there's nothing else to say. We can. We'll just really have to see uh, what happens come Friday, September second. All right. Yeah. Why don't uh, Why don't we move on then to our next segment, which is going to be the ambitious play of the week, brought to you by Ambitious Strike, Neil. Yep, the ambitious play of the week brought to you by Ambitious Strike is Eden Hazard's goal against Burnley. Eden Hazard cuts through the Burnley defense, gets the ball on his right foot, and from 18 yards shoots it near post and score far post, excuse me, and scores a great goal by him and uh, an ambitious strike by him. Remember to check out ambitiousstrike.com and use the code Brothers at checkout for a 15% off discount. They have some great soccer-themed apparel. Uh, definitely go check them out. All right, we both have three European club stories that we want to talk about. So why don't we go one at a time? You want to start? Yeah, I'll start. My number one is Ronald Koeman, the new Everton manager, has Everton playing really, really, really well. Seven points from nine games. Uh, If maybe Gerald De La Feu scores against Tottenham, it's nine points in nine games. But they're playing very well. It's very exciting. They're in fourth place right now. I know we're only three matches in, but they're, they're defending well. They're creating chances, and it's just, it just looks like a rejuvenated team, um, especially one that sort of faltered under Roberto Martinez. Um, Kevin Morales is back in the squad. Idrissa Ghana-Gay has been absolutely incredible. He's tied for the most uh, tackles in the league right now. Uh, I mean, he's been playing really, really well. Gareth Barry looks rejuvenated. Leighton Baines is back at his best. Martin Stecklenburg. Is playing very well, which is something I never thought I would ever say after the 2010 World Cup. Um, I mean, he had that injury, and he was sort of all over the place, Roma, Southampton, Fulham. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just excited. So he's going to be the starting goalkeeper, right? Because Joe Hart's linked well, up. Well, yeah, well, it looks like Joe Hart's going to Torino. Yeah, which is um, kind of... Which is, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, Kuman says he wants another goalkeeper. I think... Maybe we bring in someone. Um, if it's not a, an immediate first choice keeper, then I think Stecklenburg is the keeper for the year, and then we go in for someone next year. But uh, Everton are linked with a lot of players. We have some money now. Uh, we will be announcing our new stadium later in the week, the Liverpool mayor basically said. Um, Jim White from Sky Sports today said Farhad Moshiri texted him and said they're going in for a lot of players in the next two days. Now, whether I believe that he actually texted him, uh, I, I really don't believe that. But I think Everton will want to bring in a couple of players. It looks like um, uh, Manolo Gabbiadini from Napoli. It looks like that's pretty close to happening. Ooh. And uh, Lassine Brahimi from okay. Porto. So those will be two actually really good signings. Now, uh, these are like closer than it seemed Juan Mato was ever going to be? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It looks like the bids have been accepted. Okay. Um, Napoli are just waiting on. Napoli are just waiting. They want to get Kalinic from Fiorentina as a replacement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Gabbiadini, you'll know better than I do. I think he's a good player. I think he always was sort of playing second fiddle to uh, to Gonzalo Iguain. Uh He only scored five goals last year, but he scored one goal every 108 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he. I mean, that was his role coming off the bench and scoring. You know, and he, it's not like he's going to be playing starting striker for Everton. No. So, so I mean, it's, it's, I, it's hard when a player off the bench goes to a team and starts. But I think here, if he's going to have a similar role, then he can succeed. 
Yeah, I think I think this will be good. But I think it's just exciting times for Everton. And, you know, like I said, I don't really expect us to finish in the top four or even the top six this year. But it's looking more like a possibility now. But top six, top four, I think it's not going to happen. Yeah, get but, back to the Europa League, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, just the fact that we look this better, even our dad, he was telling me this team looks so much better than they did <laughs> last year. So, um, yeah. All right, my first story is Atletico Madrid is winless after two games. They're 12th place in La Liga right now. Um, Griezmann has said that if they continue to play like this, they'll be a relegation contender. Um, <laughs> so they've, they've only scored one goal, and that's been from the penalty spot in their first game against Alaves, where uh, Kevin Gamero, new signing, converted the penalty. And they just drew 0-0 over the weekend against Leganes. So these are two teams that they haven't beaten that both just got promoted from the second division this year, which is just crazy. It's going to be very hard for them to contend for the title now. Um, something that I've been noticing after I've done a bit of analysis on them is that they haven't been using that 4-4-2 with Griezmann and Torres up top to have last year. Uh, Torres was on the bench last game in place of Kevin Gamero. In the first game, they ran a bit of a different look. But I think if they can start uh, Torres and Griezmann and have a little bit more width with, with Carrasco... Uh, on one of the wings because, you know, Koke is not a true winger in my opinion. So, you know, he is better in the midfield, so you can push him in there, put Carrasco out wide. I think they can start to look a little bit better. I think Diego Simeone is going to have a plan. But, uh, you know, this that's just very disappointing, and you have to feel like they can't come back from this. I mean, even though it's only two games, Barcelona and Real Madrid are both at six points. So, Yeah, I don't think they'll come. I guess... It'll be tough because every point, every point really does matter in La Liga. Uh, but disappointing for them. Uh, they still have the Champions League campaign. I'm sure they'll try to make it back to the final. And as those players start to get, gain more fitness, I think they'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all right, what's your second story? Uh, my second story, Sahel, I'm sorry. Uh, Roma, AS Roma, the historic club, the historic Italian club, historic. crashes out of the Champions League after losing 4-1 on aggregate, right, to Porto. Yeah. Um, and three red cards in two matches. Um, uh, who got sent off in the first match, remind me? Uh, in the first match, it was... Ah, who was in the first match? I don't remember who it was, but the second match, it was De Rossi, and he stamped on the Porto player, and uh, Emerson, I believe. Yeah. So... Uh, and that was dirty. Oh, Vermaelen, Vermaelen. Vermaelen. Yeah, that, that was his first time ever in a competitive game for Roma to get a red card. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's terrible for them. You were telling me they lost 50 million euros in money, uh, potentially more if they were to make it further into the, into the competition. And, you know, when a team like Roma is trying to compete with Juventus for the uh, Scudetto, um, you know, losing losing that Champions League spot in terms of attracting players is huge because it seems like they might not be able, especially at the end of the window here, to attract some of the top players that they might have been able to if they were still in the Champions League. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have so you know, like Raja Nainggolan was heavily linked with Chelsea. You know, they've... Well, not- they're not in the Champions League either. Oh, that's true, actually. But, you know, but part of the reason that I'm sure he, he stayed is because Roma was in the Champions League. Uh, and also, you know, he, he loves Roma. I think he'll stay. But it's, it's players like the, him and Kostas Manolas that they need to be playing for a Champions League team. I mean, it even frustrates, you know, you know me personally for them because they're world-class players and it's, it's, it's upsetting for them and for us that we can't do this. It's, it's, it's hard to wait a whole year, you know. Before you get yeah. back to the Champions League, and the Europa League is just, uh, it's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what to say right. about the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Europa League is there, so it's an avenue for potentially uh, getting automatic qualification to the Champions League. Roma do have four points after two matches, um, you know, so so they're still up there. They're tied with Napoli on points, um, but you know, I mean, everyone is saying Juventus is going to run away with the league. Um, I'm not that convinced, actually. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how all their players come together and play together, but, uh... I don't think Juventus is gonna have, like, 
in a hundred point season or anything like that, but I or like even like ninety. But I, I don't think that there's any other team that completely has it figured out. And Juventus is just more talented than all those other teams. They're, they're, I don't. Who do you who do you think is going to compete? I I mean I don't think anyone really is going to compete. But uh, you know, Inter Milan are off to a bad start under the Frank de Boer reign. Milan are just not that good. Fiorentina lost to Juventus late already. So I think Roma and Napoli are the two, but even those two teams, their two best players were taken by Juventus and Miralem Pjanic and Gonzalo Higuain. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for, tough for anyone to compete. Oh, and Roma, Roma really didn't replace Pjanic, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I think Pelota, well, James, James Pelota, the owner... Of Roma, I just, I honestly think if I were a Roma fan, I would not be happy with him. Roma are, you know, a top four historic team in Serie A. You know, I would say they're probably behind Juventus, Inter, Milan, and Milan, right? You'd probably agree with that. I think, I, I think in terms of pure titles, yeah, we're probably like fifth or something like that. Yeah. And but we've managed. We, there's only been one year in our existence that I think we weren't in the first division. So you know we we always stay there. Yeah. But. I mean, Roma's a massive club, and the thing is, for the last few years they've been in the Champions League, but there has been no real improvement. You know, they've they've sold their best players. They've sold Medi Benatia. They sold Miralem Pjanic, amongst others. Um, and it's just such a shame. Yeah, I would love. I would love to see them win the title this year for you and for Francesco Totti in his last year. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, but we just simply haven't been doing well enough in the Champions League in the past few years. Anyways, I don't even know what we would have done because I think t- we had twelve ga- twelve games in the Champions League in 2014, 2015, 2015, 2016, and we got two wins total. Right. We, we wouldn't have made. Well, it that, well, but isn't that more Rudy Garcia? Yeah, I guess it's it's pretty much all Rudy Garcia. <laughs> well, and, and Pelota, you guys haven't been signing players. The top, you know, even, okay, even Edin Dzeko, who's a very good striker, right, and who seemed like a good deal at the time. We both thought it was a great deal. Roma are a team that are, that are a perennial Champions League team and are a perennial title contender. They should have a top striker. They should have a striker who can start pretty much anywhere, in my opinion. And I don't think there's, like, that much of an excuse anymore because we do not have a Pjanic in our midfield anymore. We still have nine goals, but, like, it's like it's like before... Uh, and Strootman's back. Strootman's back, and Paredes is also back from loan. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a deeper midfield, no, I guess. None of, them, none of them are as good as Pjanic. No, nine goals is the only one who's close. They're they're not the same. No one is as technically... Uh, Strootman and nine Golden are just... They just run, and they're good at it, and obviously they're both talented at it as well, but Pjanic was just... Technically, one of the best midfielders in the world, and I'm not going to change my opinion just because he's on your basis now. But. Right, and I, I think one of the bright spots was that they did buy Bruno Perez, who, by all accounts, was the best right back in the league last year, um, and maybe that can push Alessandro Florenzi into midfield. I think he's been playing on the wing, right? Um, he, well, he he played right back in the last match. Well, because Emerson was benched now, he's not an actual fullback. I mean, he's not. He shouldn't be on the Roma. <laughs> he's. I don't understand how he was thought <laughs> to start. It's because one of our other fullbacks that we signed from Bologna got injured. Uh, but even then, and Torres apparently is too old now. But what about Juan Jesus? Juan Jesus, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. He he should start at left back, and Perez should start at right back. Uh, so for, wait, so so Perez was starting at left back, and Florenzi at right back. Yeah, and that's why how he drew Bologna two two. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll move on from Roma. Hopefully, yeah, that hopefully, was sorry, that was a long spiel. Um, <laughs> hopefully, they stick together. Well, sticking with Serie A, what's your second? Uh, my second story is. Sassuolo. Now, not just what they've done in their first two games, because they've looked good and gotten six points, that's fine. But I just wanted to talk about this team, because it's incredible. You know, the city of Sassuolo has 41,000 people, and ten years ago, this club was in the Italian fifth division. So, I I don't actually know how to pronounce the actual name of of this. It's not not Serie A. Serie A? (laughs) Yeah. Like like the letter E? Oh no no! It go, it go, it's, 
it's like I think it's like C two or something. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm okay. not Italian, but but last year they finished sixth, and now they're in the Europa League. And Eusebio de Francesco has done just a great job, and I think it's really cool that 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 a team can just do this in ten years and and come this far. And Domenico Berardi is just one of the best oh wingers. God. And it, I think it's awesome that he's managed to stay at the club because he's done a great job. He's been playing this since 2012. I honestly, I love that guy. He, I mean, he's what, only 22 years old? Something like that, yeah. And he is so, he is so good. He already has two goals this season and two appearances for Sassuolo. I mean, he's on fire. I, I really want a wicker like that. Um, either the, actually, yeah. The U.S. He, well, yeah, the U.S. for sure. But he he has been consistently one of my favorite players in the league. But sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you have what were you saying? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think another cool part of it is that a lot of Italy's best players now, uh, a lot of best players in Serie A are foreign. But you know, Sassuolo, you know, because they've only been here for so long. Uh, mostly Italian, so and and they're doing well. You know, all the other clubs, uh, for the most part, have you know mostly foreign. Like like Roma doesn't really. We have one to two starters each game. They're Italian, um, so that, that, that's cool to see that stay. But overall, um, no matter what they do this year, I, I just think it's a really cool story, and more people should know about it because uh, I didn't know about it until recently because they look so good. I'm just like you know, I haven't been watching for ten years, so. Right. Yeah, no, that's, you know, and they have a really good keeper as well as in Andrea Consigli. Yes. And you're right, you're looking, I'm looking at the team, and only three players who've who've played for the team this year have been uh, not non-Italian. Yeah, it's cool. So, yeah. All right, what's your awesome. third story? All right, my third story is Guinjean, Guinjean, I don't know how to pronounce it, I'm sorry, my French is lacking. Uh <laughs> Guinjamp and Ligue 1 are in first place with seven points tied with a, a couple of other teams, including Monaco, who they drew in week one. They beat Marseille in week two, and they beat Nancy in week three. This is a team that finished 16th last year. Defensive midfielder Mustafa, Mustafa Diallo has two goals this year. Um, and uh, for, uh, I can't, I forgot his, I cannot read his name. Um, but this, this man, his last name is Doe, D-A-U-X. Um, he, he has, also has two goals, um, or two assists, excuse me. He has two assists from, uh, from, uh, central midfield as well. So both their defensive midfielders have been playing really, really well. And then the star of the team has been Fernando Marcel, the defense, or the left back, the defender. Um, he has... Is averaging four interceptions a game, three tackles a game, three clear four tackles a game. Excuse me, three interceptions, four clearances, and has two assists this season. So he's been fantastic for them, the Brazilian left back, and a big reason why they are in first place. Yeah, I, I think that it's really cool. I I want to have like I want to have like at least like one Leicester story every year in yeah. some league. That would just be really nice. Uh... Lucas, <laughs> Lucas, Lucas Doe is his name. Lucas Dale. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize for that. I'm just stumbling over my words. I thought it would be like a very like complicated first name. No, I just I couldn't I couldn't read. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I don't judge you for not knowing <laughs> this team's coach. Uh, yeah, I I think that's really cool. Does it matter? No. Um, PSG is winning the league again, even though they're they're not. They don't well, even they, have seven points. They've dro- they've dropped a point though. Oh wow. <laughs> I, th- I think they won the league last year, or like in tw- in twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, in like March or something. Yeah. Like that. Well, you know, I'm just hoping for a more exciting league. But it's great to see a story like that. Hall City is another story like that. Promoted thirteen fit senior players, and they're, you know, they have six points after three matches. So it's fun to see that. Yeah. Uh, all right, my third story. Uh, you said Hall City; they're in the Premier League. So is Manchester City. And Raheem Sterling has been on fire, recording two goals and one assist and a brace in their last game on Sunday against West Ham. He's been looking very good, and he, he had a disappointing season last season, 
So uh, it, it's really nice to see him operating uh, in that right mid-roll in this 4-1-4-1 that uh, Pep Guardiola has been playing, and they just look like they're clicking on all cylinders. I think they're the best-looking team so far. Yeah. And uh, it, it's nice to see the English international back to his Liverpool form. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Um, and I think Pep Guardiola has sort of connected to him and has... has allowed him to have uh, an attacking freedom that he hasn't had since he was at Liverpool. So I think that's been really beneficial for him. Yeah. Uh, you, you predicted City to win the league, right? I picked Chelsea. I picked Chelsea. Who did I pick? You picked City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I stand by. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should have, like, one... No, should we have a one-time switch? Yeah, we can have a mid-season... No, not mid-season. Within the first two, three weeks, you can have a one-time switch. Okay, wait, so, so it's like after next weekend, that's our last chance. Yeah, that's your last chance. I all mean, right. next weekend is the international break. Oh, uh, yeah. After so, the next Premier League weekend, yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> and, all right, yeah, so that concludes our three major stories. Uh, let us know if you liked that segment, something new, but uh, I thought it was fun. So, right, I, I think because we've missed so much, we're trying to figure a way to sort of touch on a bunch of different things. So, uh, yeah. That's that's what we came up with. <laughs> uh, yeah, moving on to transfer news. Uh, we both got a couple different transfers that we'd like to talk about. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Jao Mario moving from Sporting Club to Portugal to Inter Milan for 45 million euros. That makes him the most expensive Portuguese player ever. Uh, wait, wait, crazy. wait. Yeah. No, that's not true. Yeah, it is true. To, to Serie A. No, 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 just poor. Dude, the market's Sato. been inflated. Ronaldo... Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo was 80 million euros. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. All right, I'm going... We're doing went, some live research right now. No, he went, he went to Real Madrid for like 80 million euros. Are you sure? Yes. Are you positive? Yes, I'm 100% positive. Maybe his Portuguese player from Portugal, because I think his feet at yes, United okay. was very low. Yeah, it was not. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't very low, but it wasn't definitely. Well, wait high. for a second while we pull this up. But in the meantime, let me talk about uh, what Chao Mario can do. He's a very yeah, 80, 80 million pounds for Manchester United. Eighty million pounds. Yeah, but that's that's like crazy back then. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he's a, he's one of the best players in the world. I know, but like that's like like that's probably like. The same thing as like 130 million now or something like that. He, yeah, it is. He's he's still the most expensive player ever. That, that's wait. So so Pogba is not. Pogba is 89 million. So Pogba. Oh is. wait wait. Okay, sorry, sorry. That's adjusted for inflation. Ronaldo's adjusted for inflation. Yeah, R- R- Ronaldo. Yeah. So maybe it's not. So yeah. no. So Paul pa- Pogba is Paul Pogba is the most expensive player. But we, we still don't know at this point whether Jao Mario no, is no, the most expensive. No, no, no. The, the, the number in pounds is not inflated. Just the, the U.S. dollars. Oh, I see. It's adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry about that. But Jao Mario is a very talented attacking midfielder and winger uh, who did very, very well at, at the Euros. I think he was one of the... <laughs> One of the only players that made them actually look like a like a, a fun team to watch at some points, and he was definitely uh, a big impact. Somebody came on. He also started some games, um, did really well there. I think he's a player that can complement a, a Cardi very well for Inter Milan, and that's a decently dangerous front line with Perisic, uh, Cardi, and now Jao Mario, who I think will start at right wing. I don't think we'll see him in the midfield because they've got, they've got their fair share of midfielders right now, and. Uh, maybe he can turn them around. Maybe. I mean, 45 million euros for Jao Mario is a ridiculous fee. I, that's crazy. I, I that's crazy to me. I mean, I know, like, Everton are about to buy Brahimi for 40 million from the same league. But, I mean, Jao Mario, is, yeah, is an exciting player and he looked good at times, but he really has no end product, in my opinion. So, at least he didn't at the Euros. So hopefully that had the hopefully that has changed. But I know he's a player you really like, and he is a very exciting player. So it seems like a good, good buy for Milan. It's, it's Milan. probably like just around the caliber deal of Blasi to Everton for twenty five million euros or pounds. No, that's a, okay. <laughs> you're telling me you're telling me Joao Mario is twenty million pounds better. Okay, Blasi didn't have end products for for, for Crystal Palace. He, he scored six goals last year, and he missed two months. 
with a with an injury. Okay, but but his total appearances and goals and assist stats in those appearances that that shit. I'm talking about last year. He's improved. Okay, I've been watching Belasi this year, and he's been pretty good. He had no one to cross it into. I'm just saying that Jao Mario. And just so you know, I think I think that deal was ridiculous too. (laughs) You do? I don't think you ever admitted that to me privately. (laughs) I think that that deal that's so much money. But you know, I mean, they he's also 27, Belasi, which is like kind of old. I mean, I don't know. Not that's old. what the, I, I know. That's true. That's what the market is right now. So fair enough. But Mario's 23 it. years old. I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. So we'll see what he can do. Yeah, yeah, we will. Good uh, move for them. So what's your transfer? My first transfer is John Stones to Manchester City. Absolutely a Pep Guardiola type player. He started every match for City, um, and he. Uh, he looks good, man. He looks really good. He ha- is averaging 3.7 clearances per match. Um, he's averaging 100 passes a game. And he has a 91% pass accuracy. That is the... or He's averaging yeah 100 passes a game, 1.3 interceptions per game, and has 91% uh, pass accuracy. That's the highest on the team, except for Fabian Delft, who has 100% pass accuracy, but he's only played 28 minutes this season. So, uh, yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, I think, honestly, it was a good move for Everton to get rid of him. He didn't want to be there, and a good move for City and for the players. So, good move all around. But what, once Everton, you know, makes the Champions League, they're going to leak that buyback clause and get John Stones back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Honestly, though, Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka is a good pair. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I think Ashley Williams is, like, one of the, I don't, I think he was pretty cheap, actually, for, like, what he can consistently do. Um, right, he was he was nine million pounds. Yeah, yeah. Is that twelve and, million euros? I think. And then yeah, and then Idrissa Gay, who who's leading in interceptions, he was seven million pounds. Yeah, so, I think you know Velocity, B- B- maybe a suspect deal, but those two are <laughs> great deals. See, that's just very confusing to me because you 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 get all this money from this window. That's what you're excited about, all the money that you have, and then yeah. you blow most of it. I mean, okay, not blow it, but your best deals were the ones that you could have made last summer, almost. No, because we, I think Ronald Koeman is a much better manager and a much better attraction than uh, for Yannick Velasquez. I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Ashley Williams comes to Everton if Koeman's not there. Koeman is one of the best center backs of all time. You know, he okay. played for the Dutch national team. He played for Barcelona. Um, yeah, and Swansea really it looked like they were, don't really have much ambition and were selling all their players. Um, I mean, Roberto Martinez is. Wait, so he is the Belgian manager, right? Yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not... He has a, he has his first trading this week with the team. That is so ridiculous. I feel Thierry... so bad for Lukaku. Thierry Henry's on the coaching staff. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> it's like he, it's like he was about to go to Chelsea, and then he realized that Martinez is gone. And he was like, okay, I'll stay. But now he's just. Well, did you see? Did you see his reaction during the Manchester United match? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't know if we can say that that was the, the no, reaction we can't, to that. No, I, I like to think that it is. <laughs> it makes sense. All right, my second transfer is Paco Alcacer, the forward moving to Barcelona from Valencia. Munir was involved in the deal on the reverse path, so he went to Valencia on loan, I think. And uh, he probably won't start in most games, but I think he'll be good for depth. Obviously, Barcelona's got uh, three competitions going this year with the Champions League and Copa del Rey. He has a good goal-scoring record internationally. Uh, his club record's, you know, around one goal every three games, which is okay. Uh, but he's, he's got a pretty good upside, and I think with the talent around him, he'll be able to do a decent job. And uh, I, I think it was around 40 million euros, which is a little high, but uh, they did need a better player than Munir coming off the bench, in my opinion. Yeah, good deal for them. I don't think I can really argue with that. Um Sucks that we won't get to see him play that much. Yeah, well, but, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, we'll still probably be watching more Barcelona than Valencia, so might even not. Yeah. All, All right. right. My, my, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. My second transfer, my second or final one, is Camille Glick, the Polish international, going from FC Torino to Monaco. I think this was a great deal for Monaco, a million, 11 million euros, so a good deal there. Um, he's averaging already in three matches six clearances a game and three interceptions a game. 
Those are ridiculous numbers. Uh, and has an 82% pass accuracy. So, very, very good defender. We saw it at the Euros, and we saw it with Turin. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yeah, um, great. I mean, great player. I really wish Everton... I really wish Everton went in for him. Like, 11 million euros. I mean, even Roma. Why the hell are they Yeah, I I saw a lot of Roma fans complaining. I I don't really know. Thomas from Mullen. He's a good player, but come on. Yeah, no, he's... (laughs) There was no risk, though, because it's a free loan. An option to buy. But, uh, yeah. Oh, for for Mullen? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think he's going to do... I think he's going to do well... Again. See, see, okay, no, that's the thing about Pelota. He likes those loan deals with options to buy or paying in installments and all that crap. Like, that's what people don't like. Just buy your players. Oh, wait, what's, wait, what's wrong with that? The, the, loan, the loan thing I don't have a problem with, but I think teams and players are more likely to go to your team if they know it's going to be a permanent deal. I, I think, like, it... I think they're also almost like permanent deals, though. I, I don't know. I think yeah, the, no, they, they almost are. I think paying in installments. I think it might it's, it's some kind of financial loophole or something. I don't really understand it because I because we. I, mean, I just I just don't like Pelota. Maybe, maybe former guest John Solano is rubbing off on me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't hate him as much as I. I don't really know if that's the root of our problems. I just think. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't really know how we got here, but um, I think that Glick is a talented player, and it's a shame that his team won't be challenging near the top or at the top. But they're in, they're in first place right now. Y'all, y'all, so naive. <laughs> okay, Leicester City just won the league last year. It is definitely possible for Monaco to win the league. Um, no. Okay, fine. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Our next segment and our last segment will be Top 5 Americans Abroad. Yep, and this is the segment I do every week during the European season. These are our Top 5 Americans for the week abroad. How it works is I I pick mine. It's my preference. If you have a different list or a list you feel is better, definitely email us, tweet at us. Uh, You can tweet at us at Soccer Bros Pod. You can email us at uh, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. To, uh, so, to clarify, uh, though, you'll also be using players from, like, Mexico or whatever, not just European. Right, yeah. right, not just European teams. All right, so my number five is Brad Guzan started and played the full match against Middleborough, or for Middlesbrough, in their 0-0 draw against West Brom. Uh, he played pretty well, and uh, good to see him starting. Middlebro. Number four. <laughs> <Middlebro>. <laughs> that, that's Malcolm. Get it. Uh, Oh, oh my god. On the fly joke. That was a terrible joke. That was awesome. Okay, number four. (laughs) Number four, Lyndon Gooch started and played 77 minutes in Sunderland's draw against Southampton. He continues to impress for David Moyes' squad, and I'm really excited that he's gotten his chance, sort of out of the blue. You know, we were just watching it the first week, Sunderland versus Manchester City. I was excited to watch Pep's first match, and then Lyndon Gooch is starting, and we were both very surprised, so good to see him. Mm Mm-hmm. Number three, Eric Lehigh uh, started and played the full match and had an assist for Nottingham Forest in their 3-1 win over Leeds, so he continues to play well. John Brooks is number two. He started and played 90 minutes for Erta Berlin in their 2-1 home win against Freiburg. Uh, John Brooks' match, he made 82 passes with a 91.5% pass accuracy. Ten of his 12 passes were long ball... Or t- 10 of his 12 long balls were completed, which is really good. Uh, he had four tackles, three interceptions, and two clearances. So a very solid match for John Brooks. And then number one, of course, is Bobby Wood. Started, played the full match for Hamburg, and scored an incredible goal. Well, not incredible, but a great goal um, in Hamburg's 1-1 draw with English, with Alfredo Morales' Ingolstadt. Uh, the goal sort of came over the top. It fell to Bobby Wood. A very hard angle on the half volley near post. Muscles off the English top defender. Uh, you know you know Matip who plays for Liverpool? Yeah. His brother, oh. I believe. Um, that was him. Uh, he muscles him off and uh, he finished it. Good goal and definitely check that out. Yeah, but Bobby Wood is... I'm really excited about this transfer. I, I know. I think this transfer, more than any in the last few years, has excited me more than anything. 
Because, I mean, I don't think we've ever had a transfer start off this well. In my recent memory. That, that, that may be true, now that I'm thinking about it. No, I just have, American just transfer? Have, no. Right, American transfer. Just having that first goal in the first match is huge. And he beat out other strikers. This team has five or six strikers on the team. And Bobby Wood was only bought for four or five million euros. So it's not like they put all their eggs in this basket. He actually played well in the preseason and outplayed the competition. Uh, I think they have La Soga. You know La Soga, right? Yeah. From FIFA. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, he played for Arthur uh, Berlin at one point, right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think he's on the team. I can't. I mean, they had a couple other strikers, but yeah, he, exciting stuff, exciting times. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, that looks like that's going to wrap up the main portion of the podcast. We have an email for this podcast, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Both those handles are at soccerbrotherspod. You can check us out on Facebook. If you're listening, uh, interact with us in whatever way you can. If you're on SoundCloud, like or leave a comment. If you're on iTunes, review or rate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited for the rest of the seasons in soccer, man. Yeah, I'm excited for three episodes from now. Yeah, Landon Donovan, make sure to stay tuned. Landon Donovan will be on episode 60 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. We'll see you next time for episode 58 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Hopefully after the U.S. Men's National Team win.